Welcome everyone to the Milky It Podcast, the podcast that tucks the teeth of popular culture until it explodes all over your face. As always, I'm the devil's favourite demon, David Davis. And I was working in the lab late one night when my eyes beheld an eerie sight. For my monster from his slab began to rise, and suddenly, to my surprise... Wow, it's Boulamont. And here we are, it's episode 36. Can you imagine episode 36? And it's that time of year, that spooky second time around. It's the Milking It Halloween special. Yes, Dave, we have been crawling through the graveyard to bring you the very best in geek and pop culture news, and we've dug up some classics. They are slightly decaying, because uh, it's been a little while since we've uh, been on this, but uh, they're back from the dead and ready to raise hell. It's the Milking It podcast. <laughs> I've got the feeling that you're milking it. Got a hunch that you know. You wanna milk it and you know. You gotta milk it and you know. start off with this week, episode 36's Halloween special, Geek News. So, Mr. Boo, what is first up on the agenda this week, sir? Well, Dave, most people won't say this is strictly Halloween-themed, but it is a horrible thing, and uh, and it's created terror for years, Um, and that is the news that Joel Schumacher (laughs) (laughs) uh, is rumoured to be returning um, to the Batman franchise. However, fear not, Batman. Because it is not in movie form. No. Uh, the, he, his original trilogy, which was uh, Batman Forever, Batman and Robin, and a unspecified movie, but it was meant to be Batman Triumphant. Is that correct? It was, yeah, Batman Triumphant, which was shit canned because the unfortunately Batman and Robin was so critically panned, um, and I think he fell out of love with it as well. Uh, it never never occurred, but it is. Apparently, and this can only be based on the success of Batman 66 uh, as a comic book, which has done really, really well, is coming to a, a comic book store near you soon, apparently. Uh, I'm not sure that's a good idea, but... Uh, I, it, I mean, can, I I, can I tell you a bit about... Um, because I did actually read up a bit beforehand about what Batman Triumphant was meant to be. You've done some worked. research... It's mad, isn't it? Are you ready for this, Dave? No, go ahead, sir. Yeah, oh, yeah. the original rumoured uh, villains were, as just stated, the Scarecrow. And here, who, here's who was up for the role of Scarecrow. Okay. Ewan McGregor. <laughs> Nicholas Cage. Mm, okay. Super okay, himself, now, yeah. Now, here are the two that would have made sense. sense. First one is Steve Buscemi. Oh, man. Yes, please. And the last one I've got written down here is, um, well, it's, uh, it, 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 it's it's Jeff Goldblum. Um, it's uh, Jeff Goldblum. It's the fly himself. It is. Um, but this was the one that was making people mad. The other villain that was meant to be in the movie was Harlequin, and it was meant to be played by Madonna. 
Ooh, Jesus. But the most interesting bit of news that uh, from that, well, mm. that there was a couple. There was two rumours at the time that Martin Shaw would be in it as the Mad Hatter. Ah, <laughs> I could see that, actually. That Genius like, bit yeah. of casting. Yeah, that's and, very and cool. I, and uh, Mark Lynn Baker as Man Bat. But these were just rumours. But the main, the main bit of interest I got from the casting rumours from back in the day mm. was Jack Nicholson was meant to make a brief cameo as the Joker which would return in Batman's mind as a result of Scarecrow's fear toxin. Really? I can't imagine any studio would be able to afford to do that. That sounds insane. That, but, but again, if that if that happens, I can't I can't imagine them being able to get the likeness rights for Nicholson to do that in the comic book. But that'd be that'd be interesting to see if they could get the likeness rights for those particular actors and put them in the comic. That would be very cool very cool indeed but in terms of a story it'd just be interesting to read the story and, you know. yeah I'm, I would I would buy that comic book yes and you've got to remember that I stated probably right here on the Milk Clip Podcast that I did love Batman Forever and I although yeah. it's a, yeah. a vast you know difference to any other kind of Batman because you've got all the neon colours and all the lights and stuff and I, yeah, I just, yeah, it was all that I just remember that yeah. the green and purple neon you know green for Riddler and the purple for Two-Face and I just thought it was a really stylish movie um, mm. And I was, as I, was, I remember saying, I was at that age where it was the summer blockbuster for like '95, was it? Around that time, yeah. Off the top of my head, I can't, I can't remember. Well, I was yeah. at that age where every summer blockbuster was exciting, whether it was Space Jam, Independence Day, or Batman Forever. Oh yeah, and you, you couldn't, you know, you could not avoid it because it, it was on Happy Meals, it was, you know, on every advert on kids TV, it was all over the papers and the the, the comics and that, that sort of thing. So there was no way of escaping it. Uh, as I as I turn to the side and look at my uh, collector's Batman Forever <laughs> McDonald's glasses, <laughs> it's an investment, kids. It's an investment. I, I, I That's collateral for the future. <laughs> yeah, when I'm raking, when, you know, if I'm not raking in this podcast money that's just flowing through the door. Um, but yeah, no, very very interested to see um, how that turns out. Schumacher has taken a shellacking and you know recently you even had at Comic Con in New York you had George Clooney apologising for having played Batman um, which I'm not sure you ever need to do that really unless you're Val Kilmer um, I don't you know Batman and Robin is universally regarded as one of the schlockiest most ridiculous Batman moments of all time it's it's a modern day equivalent of the Batman 66 TV series however we look back at the Batman 66 now with a certain nostalgia perhaps we'll do the same uh, if we want to have some you know Arnold Schwarzenegger's really bad ice puns such as these the Iceman cometh I'm afraid that my condition has left me cold to your pleas of mercy which lets them yeah, that, they are ridiculous uh, but they, they do still make me smile ice to see you so yes, Joel Schumacher returning to the Batman world in in comic book form, uh, which will be very very interesting to see what they do. Um, talking of comic books, Dave, sorry, I've got to cut you off. I was waiting no, to finish that. Marvel have just announced the entire Phase Three. I'm reading it as we speak. Um, this is this. breaking geek news. <laughs> the biggest bit of news and this was announced today as, as we're recording as we're recording 
Marvel have just unveiled Phase Three. It's an enti- in its entirety with release dates, and I am fucking excited. Holy have- shit! This is are you ready? This is are you ready? News. Are you ready for this, Mr. D? Absolutely. Hit me, sir, all over my face, neck, and chest. Okay. With the addition of Ant-Man landing in July 2015, mm-hmm. they have announced that the next movie after that, and this is 100% confirmed. Okay. May 6th, 2016, we'll see Captain America 3, Civil War. Wow. Ooh, wow. Civil War is one of the greatest, in my opinion, Marvel yeah. storylines they have ever done. And the fact that they're bringing it to the cinema has me damned excited, sir. So does, does that mean they've done a deal to put Spider-Man at all in that because Those, that, it involves all the characters it, yeah. it is literally Spider-Man a of the is spot. a major yeah. Spider-Man is a major has a major role in the Civil War storyline for those of you have, uh, those of you Milsters who haven't read the comic or played uh, one of the Marvel games which was based on the Civil War story was it, uh, Marvel a, Ultimate Alliance 2 or 3 I can't remember no 2 2, two. there is yeah. no 3 there all right, that shows what I know. Uh, but it, it is a split across the Marvel universe, isn't it? With, with superhero registration, and it's this weird sort of idea of whether they go with the government or against the government, and it it doesn't divide down good and bad. Traditionally, it's pe- it, people teaming up that you wouldn't assume would team up with each other. It's a, it's an amazing story. If you haven't read it, I would urge anyone. To, it, and I'm not a Marvel guy. We've established this, <laughs> so to see um, that on the screen would be insane. So November November fourth, twenty sixteen, David will be Doctor Strange with Benedict Cumberbatch as the wow. as Doctor Strange. That's that's go. a good choice. Uh, one of my favourite uh, roles he played was uh, Sherlock, of course. Sure. <laughs> of course. <laughs> um, May fifth, twenty seventeen, sees Guardians of the Galaxy two. What a surprise! The most successful Marvel movie to date. They're making a sequel. So color good, me, so color me unsurprised. <laughs> so good though, and uh, that—that's the news that I wanted. Was that they're definitely, definitely doing that. You, you can't be that's surprised. Now, that's now confirmed. Uh, excellent. Well done, Batista. Yes, <laughs> very excellent. good. Also, Batista uh, rumored for the next James Bond movie. So the guy's well, doing all right. Yeah, he's doing very well. Mm. Uh, and sorry, just on a side note, apparently John Cena. Um, stolen the show in his new movie and many people are saying he's he's a possible player in Hollywood, you know, once it gets released. Um, so it's July 28th, 2017, we'll see Thor Ragnarok, uh, with Tom Hiddleston returning as Loki. Yeah, always good, but the last Thor movie left me a little bit cold. I know you enjoyed it, but I, I wasn't a big fan. Um, November 3rd, 2017, we'll see the first Black Panther movie. Ooh. I don't, I've never got I've never got the thing about Black Panther. I've, I've never been a fan of the character. Um, I, I don't know why. He's just never interested me as a, as a superhero. I don't like I say. I, I'm not. I'm not a Marvel guy, so I don't know. I only know him from the Lego Marvel having to do some ridiculous collecting of cats to get him. So yeah. <laughs> well, it, it seems that the Black Panther will be the last of the Earthbound uh, Marvel movies because. May the 4th, 2018, sees Avengers Infinity Wars Part 1 released. Okay, okay. Uh, which will be followed um, literally two months later, July 6th, 2018, with Captain Marvel. Uh, here's one I'm really interested in. Uh, November 2nd, 2018, sees Inhumans, which we talked about previously on the Mercanic podcast, um, but had been announced, um, well, rumoured for a while, but that's that's now official with a release date. Mm-hmm. 
And then May 3rd, 2019, we'll see Avengers Infinity War Part 2. Okay, I mean, so they're, they're only a year apart. Or no, two years apart, did you say? Yes. Uh, sorry, no. Mar- May 4th, 2018, Avengers one, uh, Part 1. Right, May 3rd, right, 2019. Okay. They are lit yet. It's a year. It's a, it's they're one, par- one par- day shy a year. Yeah. yeah, okay. That makes sense. Well, that, that, that yeah, of course. Exciting news, sir. That is. That's very exciting that they've actually actually done this. Um, okay, so now we know where we are. DC did pretty much the same thing uh, a couple of weeks back of announcing their sort of stretching forth uh, their uh, their stuff that's that's happening. Um, so it seems to be a trend now. We 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 are uh, we're amped up. We're ready to hear about these things, and it also gives you a clue as to which trailers and which uh, sort of sneak previews are going to drop at the comic cons each year as we go forwards but um that's very cool that, i can't believe that just happened as we as we were recording just right in the middle of it and so we'll we will now continue with, with the with the geek news well no i mean i, I do have another superhero thing a movie thing i wanted to touch on while we're at the geek news okay yeah, yeah. um you just mentioned the dc uh, a couple uh, about a week ago unveiled their lineup mm. and there was a movie absent from their lineup which raised many eyebrows okay did you hear about this at all uh, the Sandman movie wasn't in the lineup. Joseph Gordon-Levitt mm. then came out and said, "Well, of course it wasn't on the DC lineup. It's not a DC comic, is it?" He's right. It's a Vertigo comic, yep. which so has started the rumor that there will be more Vertigo comics coming to the big screen. Oh, really? That could be very interesting. Um, yes, uh, especially if, if they pitch it as because the, the Vertigo comics kind of pitched to a very very indie audience or, or a very um what's the way of putting it a, a very comic conscious audience they they know what they like and they, they took risks that you wouldn't see in mainstream stuff um that would be very cool and at, at, at least if it's outside of that sort of mainstream dc and it's outside of that mainstream marvel you could get a slightly more indified movie so they might do a little bit darker um I don't know. I, I, I'm excited about the Sandman one. I must admit, I've, I've read very little Sandman, but the stuff that I've read is worth tracking. Very good. And, and there was one last uh, movie from the DC lineup that, that, I mean, caught me off guard completely. I, 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 of all the the, the the franchises to make a film of, uh, are you aware of the Metal Men, Dave? Um, are they anything to do with people who collect scrap? from outside your house uh, no David that, not, no, no. They're, they're, no, I am not um, aware of the Metal Men they're, they're also not you know, heavy Iron Maiden fans or anything like that no the Metal Men um, it's uh, a group of um, like cyborg type cat, not cyborg type they're, they've been made in a lab basically and each okay. one of them is made up of a different metal and has the properties as their superpower and um, well no, it's fascinating. Honestly, I used to read Metal Men when I was a lot younger. I, I, I was given a graphic novel um, of the Metal Men. And not, not a graphite. Uh, not a, or a trade paperback, David. Ah, <laughs> um, uh, callbacks. But it, guys, Google uh, oh. Wikipedia, the Metal Men, unless you're already a fan of DC's The Metal Men. Um, a really, really interesting story and one I would love to see on the screen. I just think it's just... To me, this is like when they announced they were going to make a Thor movie. I thought, you can't make a movie out of Thor. You can't make a movie out of the Metal Men. Prove me wrong, Hollywood. Prove me wrong. Oh, man, it's a good time to be a geek, kids. Uh, talking of uh, movies, uh, the Avengers trailer. Let's let's go back to the stuff that's coming out reasonably soon. Um, the Avengers trailer hit. 
and uh, I know you put it up on the uh, the Facebook page. I'm, which I'm, is, I'm aware of it. Yes, uh, Um Your thoughts, sir? I will just say because I'm I'm not the Marvel guy, as we've said before. Uh, I'm very excited by watching the trailer. It was very. My, good. my excitement could be summed up in one word: Hulkbuster. That I love the Hulk. So I've good. always been a fan of the Hulkbuster suit. Yeah, uh, I've always thought it was really bad. Uh, yeah, the trailer looked fantastic, and he's definitely one of the better teaser trailers. I mean, they didn't hold back; they showed you what you were going to see. I was going to say that was hardly they, a teaser. That was yeah. They uh, didn't hold back the villain. They you know Ultron in all his glory. Ultron yeah, looks good. However, there was one person missing from that uh, whole trailer, and that is the Vision. I need to see Vision. I want to see what they. You know, is he computer generated? Is he mm. is he in a suit? I mean, I I just got to see. But apart from that, my curiosity was sated. Absolutely, it, it was very cool. Uh, if you haven't had a chance to watch it, it is like I say up on our Facebook page, which is available via the milkyitpodcast.com. So. Um, talking of uh, comic books and that kind of stuff, there has been an announcement about a Spawn animated series, or I should say, a new Spawn animated series, because there was one before. It was in the 90s, Dave. HBO showed an adult uh, orientated Spawn animated series, um, which was uh, critically acclaimed and is still talked about to this day. Hmm. But yes, they've announced they're bringing Spawn back. It's been a while since um, Spawn's had much of a public showing, really, uh, in terms of like kind of a TV or films or anything. I mean, there was the ill-fated Spawn movie, which was oh, there was dog shit. It uh, was, yeah, it was it was around the same time as sort of Blade and things like that, wasn't it? Where like Blade, was, Blade yeah. Yeah, 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 Blade was very very good and kind of dare I say it spawned the superhero movies going forwards led to X-Men being went made. There. Coco, he went there. Um. <laughs> um, yes, Coco the pod dog is in the room, kids. Um, not with me, obviously, with Boo. Um, not to light, hey, shine but... light upon magic yet again. Uh, we're not in the same room. We were last time, sadly not this time. But uh, I okay. do have that. They don't care about that. They just want all the geeky goodness. They don't care whether we're, you're on my lap or... Um... What? <laughs> Oh dear. That was a podcast extra for those who subscribe, <laughs> subscribe to our premium channel <laughs> via the Milk It podcast. Uh, but there will be a t- there will be a five minute taste for a midnight. Um... Oh my god, is that what you call it? Um... <laughs> Spawn animated series. Yes, um, the HBO series ran from 1997 to 1999 and actually won itself an Emmy, believe it or not. So I mean, we're talking like top notch, you know, top notch um, lineage which this new Spawn animated series is going to have to kind of prove itself. To. Um, but I, I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be awesome. I remember... The, you, um, sorry, just change the subject completely just very, very quickly. While we're talking of animated series, did you, did you see the news that the creator or the producer of the Judge Dredd movie that came out a couple of years ago um, has made an animated Judge Death um, series that's free on the on the internet? I saw that. I literally saw that today. Um, that they were available to watch now. So I, I will definitely check that out because I, I read. It sounds bad to say because it didn't receive great review, but I, I really enjoyed that movie. Um, it was it was good. I, I don't know the character because I never read the comics, so I only know it from the bad movie that came before. Dare we speak the name sliced alone? Um, but yeah, the most recent movie was I thought was really good. Yes, it was a bit like the raid, but with Judge Dredd um, but at least he kept his mask on this time um, 
at least he kept his helmet on this time. Um, but yeah, ultimately, uh, I'd like to watch the the shorts. I think it could teach me more. I, I knew about Judge Death uh, because I, I I own the Batman Judge Dread Judge Death Judgment in Gotham. Yeah, yeah, Judgment in Gotham, which is one of the most beautiful graphic novels or trade paperbacks. Well, you know, um, I'm a uh, I'm a big I'm a big Judge Dread mark, and um, this new series called Super Fiend is available now on YouTube. All six episodes. And uh, yeah, it features uh, the very best enemy from the Judge uh, Dread uniform, Judge Death. So check that out, guys. Definitely check that out. That does sound very cool indeed. Um, talking new stuff that's just uh, broke. I know you're excited about this. You mentioned it on a previous Milking podcast. The Mike Tyson Mysteries, sir. Mike Tyson Mysteries, Dave. Convince me, why do I need to watch the Mike Tyson Mysteries? The Mike Tyson Mysteries uh, uh, started at, at time of recording, um, the weekend just gone, and okay. they showed the first two episodes, and I loved it. I thought it was brilliant. Um, it's got the, the voices of Jim Rash, uh, Rachel Ram- Ramras, my old favourite SNL Lumini, uh, Norm MacDonald, and Mike Tyson playing Mike Tyson. Um, it's kind of like a surreal Scooby-Doo uh, Norm Macdonald plays a talking pigeon. Uh, Jim Rash plays the Marquis of Queensbury's ghost. Of course. Um, and Rachel Ramas plays uh, Mike Tyson's adopted Asian daughter, who's a bit of a genius. Um, really, really funny. Very strange. Um, you know, uh, if you've got, if you're a fan of Adult Swim, then you know what to expect. Um, but Mike Tyson, uh, I think, because he has trouble, it's, it's known that he has trouble reading. He makes a lot of mistakes within the script, but they keep in. So it's really funny. Um, having uh, the, the the second episode is him um, investigating the tuba cabra, or the tuba nama, or the tuba raba, whatever, because um, he can't get the word right. <laughs> um, but, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's really funny, and um, and I I just uh, it's more good Adult Swim com- uh, animated comedy. It's what you've come to expect from the guys. Uh, I don't know how many episodes they've made this series, but um, if if the first two are anything to go on definitely worth tracking down oh excellent that, that does sound very good sir um i shall i shall endeavor to uh, to check it out uh, i know you were you were high on the idea when it uh, was, when it was first now, Dave, um i'm going to throw you off a little bit here because we uh, there was something i wanted to mention to you uh, that we've completely not mentioned to the guys yet okay. and that is gotham our mm. review of the first episode now i've seen it and you've seen it oh so, finally bloody yes. hell okay so maybe it's time that we touched on the pilot episode only because I've not seen any of the other episodes yet so please no spoilers but oh, that's, that's going to be episode... really difficult now because I've watched all of the episodes so I'm going to have to bring up some details about the pilot episode so I can avoid giving you uh, any spoilers let me you know what just... Dave I don't, it's not for me I, you, I, you know, I don't care about spoilers it's, 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 the, it's, it's the people it's you people I care about you it's, it's all for you it's not, it's not for me Oh, Double D, Dave Davis, my comedy partner, my co-host, my friend. Hello. How good was Gotham? Um, okay, so I this response is based on the episodes I've watched so far, which is all of them. Oh my God, it's fucking amazing. My awesome. next response is based on the first episode, which is the only episode you've seen. Yeah, interesting. Let's see where it goes. So... What did you think? And I, I'll, I, I'll fill in some blanks if you right. if you blank. My so. opinion is pretty much the same as everyone else's I've seen so far, which was awesome. 
Fish Mooney, not as an interest, not an in- no. as an interesting character as she could be. Rubbish. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the Penguin is by far the best character so far. Holy cow! He is absolutely brilliant. Really. Is, he steal- is he stealing this thing? I think he's stealing this thing. I think when, once you get a few episodes in, you'll realise he is absolutely stealing it. The thing you have to remember about the whole idea of it, and um, this kind of came to me a couple of episodes in, and uh, you sort of realise is that you watch the first one and you kind of think, yeah, but there's no Batman, so what? What's the point? And it's like you, once you get a few into it, you realise no, this is setting up the need for Batman. This is why Batman has to exist. Um, sadly, Sean Pertwee as Alfred so far for me hasn't worked. He's a bit hit and miss. Um, yeah, uh, even the line at the beginning, you know, you, you knew it. Best of luck, yeah. mate. Best of luck, mate. Yeah. Come on, come on, Bruce. Come on with me. The thing is, mm. they've set Gordon up as an interesting enough character that you want to see him fight crime, whereas yes. they could have... Yeah, that, that yeah, was yeah. vital. Bullock there is no amazing and really good. Yeah. And not no, and I, I kind of disagree to a point. I never once throughout the show thought, God, this needs Batman. Where's Batman? And I mean, all the little nuances, like the way that... I'm no, sure. but I mean, I mean, as in going into watching it, you kind of think, mm, okay, well, I'd, I'd rather see Batman in Gotham. I'd rather see, but yeah, I agree. Once you get through that first episode, you know why you don't need Batman because it's not yeah. about that. It's about setting up the need for Batman. No, no I mean, I I really liked it. Um, yeah, I, I think it's definitely. I can't wait. Uh, to I'm one of these guys that's going to wait for the whole. Th- first series to finish and then kind of like do two or three episodes Just a night ago it, but yeah. I definitely um, wanted to check out the pilot and I'm really glad I did I think it's really really good um, all the actors are pulling their weight well mm. nearly uh, yeah 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 apart from Fish she really does kind of she phones it in a bit doesn't seem as genuine and I, 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 I'm not sure why I think because there's so many big characters acting low key if you know what I mean like Penguin mm really low key, acts kind of low key but he's a major character <laughs> you just wait sir <laughs> yeah, I, I can imagine, I there's, can imagine. Some, there's some cracking bits with him coming up yeah and and thankfully so far they haven't overindulged because in the pilot obviously you're trying to show loads of people I mentioned this last time um, there was a little bit of a whole oh stop it with these riddles uh, Mr. Nigma. Edward Nigma works for the yeah. PD yeah yeah um, and Thankfully, they haven't overused that character. Kind of turns up in the background a little bit in the other episodes. Not much going on in terms of what he's doing, um, but it, it works very well. You know, it's um, yeah, it, it's just really good. I mean, this week, as time of recording, just seen episode six hit. Uh, the next episode, as far as I know, is supposed to be one of the best ones. Episode seven from the reviews that I've been reading. So, yeah, it's so far so good, and you know, it, it's it's up there you know you've got Gotham you've got the new Flash that started which is getting some really good reviews as sort of bubblegum for the eyes TV it's you know and it's a good time for them doing this I must admit and I'm glad you finally caught up sir and you need to sit down and watch the other episodes and we can discuss I'm a busy, I'm a busy man but as soon as I get time Dave I'm gonna I'm gonna you know, um, uh, indulge myself in an evening of like three or four episodes to catch up and I'm, I'm really yeah. looking forward to seeing what happens next Check out Gotham, guys. You could do a lot worse. 
Yeah, definitely. And uh, trust me, the the episode one um, is a, is a great pilot, but it gets better from episode two because they they you know they have a, they know they're going to have a, a story arc. They're not just doing a pilot, so they they launch into it, and it is absolutely fantastic. And uh, just some of the best characters you'll see see on screen. Victor Zars actually doing uh, quite well in uh, in something. There you go. There's a character we talked about previously on the Melbourne podcast has not been very interesting. So I'd love to see what they do as Zaz, see what happens. Yeah, very interesting. And there's there's rumours uh, from rumours abound. Yes, rumours abound. Uh, rumours that there will be an appearance from uh, Victor Freeze. So we shall see uh, Mr. Freeze or Edward Edward Nigma. Doctor Freeze, God, these are some. <laughs> God, God's got to have an easy time of it. He's like, yeah, well, you know, he's called Doctor Freeze. I wonder what his kind of villainous powers are going to be. I wonder what's going to happen to him. Yeah, but uh, anyway, yes, uh, Gotham, definitely, definitely, yes, definitely. check that out, a hundred percent. Welcome, ghouls and boils, to a Halloween tale of terror by our man Jay Hodgkin, as he tells a story of a spooky nature about some pigeons whose howl it end. Who knows? <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, are you sitting painfully? I hope so. Because your soul is so much more delicious when you're in pain. Allow me to give you a Halloween creepy tale. A dark and twisted story from the bookshelf in my tomb. Pour yourself a cup of blood and listen carefully. Dakota Fanning was filming a musical called Whistling Shitbox in Charing Cross Station. It was a song and dance affair about a young girl's dreams of one day being the attendant at the 30p ago public conveniences in a major inner city station. But that's unimportant background flimflam. Truth being stranger than fiction, what happened next was truly gruesome and mind-blowing. Obviously, it is very hard to film a large-scale Hollywood production when plebs, droogs and riffraff are shitting, masturbating and chasing the dragon around you. So all of the filming for this production had to take place in the dark of the night. So one fateful night, Dakota Fanning and her crew were taking a break from filming, doing the usual unwinding things, such as eating their regular provided lunch of candy floss washed down with a nice Earl Grey and engaging in a friendly game of fill the Yorkshire Terrier with bleach when they were disturbed by a seemingly innocuous-looking pigeon. Nothing unusual there, except this pigeon had the nose of a human instead of a beak and was wearing the whole city FC away kit from the 1991-1992 season. And it just hopped up to the boom operator, and then flew at shoulder height for a second. 
staring him dead in the eye. Everyone was a little stunned, wordlessly watching this benosed football fan flying round. After 32 seconds, the bird just suddenly started to make a noise. Or rather, it started humming a tune, which just so happened to be a pan-pipe instrumental version of Rhiannon by Fleetwood Mac. After the initial shock of seeing this peculiar beast, everyone suddenly started laughing and clapping, including Dakota herself. This production of Rhiannon by Fleetwood Mac as a pan-pipe instrumental hummed by a pigeon was somehow enchanting to them. It was three shades of magical. What came next was not magical. It was horrifying. While everyone listened to this perfect interpretation of a 70s rock standard done in the calming stylings of a woodwind session musician usually found on a budget CD at Pound Stretcher, the nostrils on the pigeon had began bubbling. Bubbling, softly at first, but gradually intensifying with thick, horrendous mucus. As the delightful tune finished, the undulating snot on this beastly proboscis was like an overflowing, boiled pot. It was only then that the boom operator noticed, and he let out a scream. Alas, it was too late. The pigeon dropped suddenly, leaving a thick trail of nose goo down the man's burden's purchased shirt. As he looked around at his colleagues, they all stared, mouths agog. The winding of Dakota's eyes was his first indication that was this was not merely a disgusting affront to public decency to have this snot trail down his front. He stared down at the bird, which had just dissolved at his feet in a matter of milliseconds, leaving just a nose and an outdated football shirt. His soiled apparel was melting on his frame too, and underneath his torso he had started to sprout the tell-tale grey feathers of a pigeon. Then Fanning noticed he was shrinking, and quickly, and his hands, which were beginning to lose their human definition, were clawing at his own throat like he was trying to prevent something. But of course he could not! And then, a perfect rendition of Grace Jones' slave to the rhythm croaked out of his throat. The cast and crew all screamed and scattered, abandoning their kit and candy floss. Not noticing a 1998 Ipswich Town goalkeeper's kit fall from an unseen source onto their boom-operating friend. And not noticing the myriad-nosed pigeons flying out of every orifice in the station, all cooing different pop music and wearing old forgotten football kit from the 1990s. Only four people made it out of Charing Cross Station that night. 
four out of 27. Dakota Fanning was one of those. If you ever see Dakota Fanning, look at her eyes whenever a pigeon flies past. Look at her next time someone walks past in a 1992 Norwich City third kit. Stare at her when she hears Fleetwood Mac. And you will see true fear. Ladies and gentlemen, Enjoy Halloween. Please be careful when feeding the pigeons. Following on from that uh, that spooky tale from Jay, which has left us all of a quiver, um, there has been some news this week of a very interesting spooky crossover comic. Uh, which might interest you, Milksters. The Ghostbusters, everyone's favourite 30-year-old film. Those characters are teaming up with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. But apparently, as I was talking earlier with Boo, this is not the first time they've done something like this. No, IDW Publishing are very well known for their crossovers, um, particularly their Infestation a crossover, which crossed over Star Trek, G.I. Joe, Transformers and the Ghostbusters. So, I mean... It's it's a good place for it to happen, and um, the turtles actually had a bit of an anniversary recently as well. Um, I believe it's 20, 20, nearly twenty five years uh, of the turtles. So, and both living on, especially with new movies, uh, well, the new movie for the turtles that came out recently. But yeah, I think this is the first time uh, individual pairing of them just as a, as a solo project with the crossover. But yes, what. What indeed can the turtles be doing with the Ghostbusters, or vice versa? I don't see the Ghostbusters fighting Splinter and uh, <laughs> and Krang, um, so I reckon uh, this is going to be a ghostly investigation by the Ghostbusters, aided by the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Well, the the idea is apparently that um, the, the the turtles something goes wrong. Donatello's invented something goes wrong, and it sends them back into a whole different New York City. Uh, and this is one with lo- lots of ghosts and the Ghostbusters. Um, so the, the two teams have to join together. They have to learn to get along then and join together because uh, they're fighting Krang, who's also ended up back in there, uh, and a load of uh, a load of ghosts that Krang is controlling. So okay, it, okay. I'm right. I'm, okay, you could just say you're wrong, Boone. Uh, no, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. That that sounds awesome. I'm, I'm up for that. Is it the real Ghostbusters or is it Ghostbusters? It is a stylized version of the Ghostbusters, not the real Ghostbusters. Uh, you, you can tell it is supposed to be uh, Peter Venkman, uh, a.k.a. Bill Murray, etc. Um, so far, from the bits that we, I've seen, they've, they've leaked a few pages online uh, as a preview. It looks very interesting. Um, I believe there may be some, uh, some Zool-type action involved. Uh, I also think there may be some uh, some dogs roaming around the city. That, you mean uh, goes to the Gozarian? <laughs> yes. Uh, I, no, no confirmation so far, unfortunately, uh, of Vigo the Carpathian. Uh, my my Vigo, command me, Lord. Ah, <laughs> oh, talking of the Mad Hatter. Um, so yes, it looks very interesting. I, I will I, definitely be in that. Well, I hmm? mean, that wasn't Martin Short. 
Uh, no, it wasn't Martin Short. But well, the... fucking up left, right, and centre today. <laughs> no, the, the guy who played uh, uh, Janos Jan- 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 in Janos, yeah, um, biscuit from Ali McBeal or whatever. <laughs> yeah, did the voice for the Mad Hatter in. The oh, my Arkham apologies. I... Oh, really? The... Yes. Well, I stand corrected. I thought you meant. I thought that was a callback to the Martin Short Batman triumphant casting earlier. We no, if I, if I was going to call back to that, I'd mention the fact that Martin Short did actually play the Mad Hatter in a version of Alice in Wonderland which starred Whoopi Goldberg as the Cheshire Cat, sir. But I didn't bring that up at the time because I thought I'd sound like a bit I'm of a, on the I'm the Prince of Pop Culture, right? <laughs> so if you're going to call someone out, let's, let's go. Come on, step outside, son. Put up your geeky duke, sir. Dare you question right so <laughs> uh so that that is there anything else outside of gaming news that you wish to talk about this week sir oh but um i think we're gonna do a, we're gonna have a bit of a special gaming news one uh, this week because we're gonna be reviewing two halloween themed games that we've both had an opportunity to rinse through so join us after these messages Ancient evil that feeds on the sick and demented, which once haunted videos that were rented, are back to turn the blood to ice of all of those who own a personal digital device. On VHS, DVD and Blu-ray too, in your pants it may make you Therefore, celebrate and rejoice Peppers and Lamont as they tell tales of films you should and should not want. The Totally Insane Tape Show is something you should not fear. Listen to it with some food snacks and a beer. To find it, go to iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud and TuneIn Radio. No excuses to these sites. You must go. And to find out whence the evil comes from, go online and look at totallyinsanetapepro.com. <laughs> Join Josh Armour and Todd Eastman every Friday for Wrestle Radio Australia. Covering WWE, TNA, Ring of Honor and Australian Pro Wrestling. Exclusive interviews including Buddy Murphy, Adam Pearce, TV legend Rose McManus and many others. Download for free on iTunes or Stitcher and stream us on the TuneIn Radio app. It's Australia's wrestling broadcast. It's Wrestle Radio Australia. Hello, Milksters. Your old pal and friend of the show, Mossman here, off of 80's classic cartoon, Masters of the Universe. As you can imagine, I've had a lot of time on my hands since that cartoon finished, and I've been aching to hear some quality, geeky podcast that rounds up all the news in a nice, tight package. 
Only thing is, we don't have iPhones. Oh, not after old King Randor fell out with Steve Jobs back in 92. Well, imagine my delight that now the Milk and Get podcast is available on Stitcher for Android users like myself. Stitcher.com has all the information. Oh, I can't wait to tell Fisto. He'll be well made up. So yes, as Boo said, uh, it is a Halloween special. Um, obviously, the geek news wasn't in, entirely Halloweeny, but uh, it, Halloweeny, yeah, Halloweeny was not Halloweeny. Isn't how you isn't that how you greet uh, your genitals? Um, <laughs> yeah. So as Boo said, <laughs> ah! so as Boo said, uh, yes, we're going to. Uh, talk about a couple of games that we've been playing uh, which are horror based because this is our Halloween special uh, and they've recently come out um, the first one we're going to talk about is one that I have been playing which is Alien Isolation uh, Boo I don't think you've had a chance to, to pick this one up I haven't unfortunately because I uh, spent my hard earned uh, one game money this month on the survival horror uh, the new survival horror from the making uh, for the makers of Resident Evil mm. and that was The Evil Within so okay. Dave, why don't we start with Alien? Because this is a game we talked about previously, and it's one I really want to try. Um, so tell me about your experiences, sir. Okay, um, I heard you talking about this. In fact, with Dino, on it was like a gaming special. Um, Boo does another podcast, as we mentioned before, called Totally Insane Tape Show, which is currently available on iTunes and Stitcher, and also now on YouTube. Would you believe uh, all of the yeah. monthly? Uh, so yeah, check that out. Uh, but there was a, there was sort of a gaming side fart that they did. Uh, we we end up having a little chat before we start, like, like very much like you and me, Dave. We have a brief chat um, beforehand, catch up on non podcasty stuff you know because we're all mates um and we just started talking um you know a lot about the games and he happened to be recording we you know halfway through we realized we we're actually having an interesting enough conversation to put it out so um if you if you hit youtube and go to uh, type in totally insane tape show or as they say go to itunes or stitcher or anywhere else where good podcasts are found mm, indeed um but basically uh, the idea being that uh, Dino was saying that it's one—it's one of the games that he's seen bits of that would make him want to try, you know, try out a new. Dino is notorious for being the rec, the, the, the you know the classic retro gamer. He's not interested in new consoles, uh, and he's got the fact a great. That we, we went to the Comic Con in Nottingham, as, as the Milsters will know, and he actually purchased a, <laughs> a GameCube, I believe, from uh, from one of the stalls there. So yeah, he's uh, to him. That is the next generation of console. Yeah, that's about as up to date uh, as, as Dean likes to get. But um, yeah, he said he'd be interested in playing that, which is um, an, a great accolade uh, for, for, uh, for yes. Sega and the makers of uh, Alien Isolation. Praise from Caesar, indeed. Um, I, I would say he's right in his assumption. Um, it, the game has been criticised, and I'll say this off the bat, for being too long. Yeah, I'd, I'd heard. The, the, the complaint was it's... Um, People reckon it should be like a 10-hour game and it's like a 20-hour game. My comment to that is, if you're enjoying it, just enjoy it. The, the only reason you would complain it's too long is because you're one of those gamers who just wants to bash through the game, get to the end so you can say, yes, I've played that, bring on the next one. If you're like me, where you sit down, you play an hour or you know two hours at max per 
time you know probably two or three times a week because you work and you know you've got other stuff to watch and you you, you podcast or you, you do other things it's actually a really rewarding experience because it lasts quite a long time you can get into the game it's atmospheric the the control system's really good the graphics look really good on the next gen i've got i've got one on i've got mine on the xbox one and it looks really cool there is a, a wonderful opening sort of section to the tutorial which is set on a, uh, a a ship which is identical to the nostromo so it has that look of the first alien film I have not yet, unfortunately, played the DLC, which is the stuff that you can play as Ripley and you can play as the other guys um, from the first film. Dallas, the other character you can play as in the uh, DLC. Yeah, there's a couple of characters you can play. Um, I think it's only John Hurt that didn't give his likeness, so they as we mentioned used him as we mentioned before on the Milky Podcast. Um, that that sounds really cool to me. That's really good. But there is a thing where if you try and play it before you've finished the main game, it does say this contains spoilers. Because the whole point of the main game is you're getting to the alien. That xenomorph is the thing that you're coming to. That's the thing that you get slight glimpses of. You get them. You, you get it running across and causing the whole screen to vibrate, but you don't see it. It's in. It, it, you know, it's in the um, the ventilation shafts as it is in the first movie. It's it's hiding. It's stalking. It's killing. It takes out your your helpers as you go through. So different characters help you to a different stage of the game. So you have to decide whether you're trusting that person. Whether you're going to follow that. Person person they teach you something different to to help you exist there will be moments and i've I've just got to the point where when you do meet that the xenomorph and you do get that alien coming through you will have to decide you will not exist much further than about 12 seconds if you take it on so this you need to find somewhere to hide i've done 10 minutes hidden in a locker while this thing walks backwards and forwards trying to find me and I'm keeping quiet, I don't want to say anything. You can you can use the connect in in a very interesting way where it, it will notice where you're looking. So if you hide behind like um like a, a stacking block, there's you know containers and stuff. If you hide behind it, if you tip your head, you turn and you look outside. But if it catches you then you're pretty much dead. There's a flamethrower that doesn't do a great deal of stuff. There's not many weapons. You do have to scavenge for weapons in a kind of metro way. It's So far, it's been the perfect experience for me. I know it's got battered in reviews, but personally, I've really enjoyed playing it, and I would urge anyone to give it a go. Perhaps don't rush out and buy it at full price if you're not convinced, because like I say, I'm, I'm probably not the gamer. I'm a massive fan of the original Alien film. Uh, studied it at university and it stayed with me as one of my favourite films of all time. Uh, not so much of a fan of the later films, but that one to me is, is a classic. Uh, definitely, definitely go out there. When it comes down in price, which it, it's bound to do once the sort of Christmas uh, titles hit and you've got more to choose from, I'm sure it'll drop in price quite rapidly. Um, it is the best alien game I have played ever, and I would urge anyone to give it a go. And I would definitely say to Dino, yes, mate, <laughs> seriously give it a go because you, you will enjoy it. It's it's a wonderful, unique experience. It's a, it's a great take on that sort of first person shooter. There you go, sounds good. Um, I. The fact that it's the best Alien game isn't exactly hard, given uh, kind of the the history of the the Alien games. I remember Alien Trilogy on the PS1 was quite good at the time. 
And the only other Alien game which I thought was really good was the arcade game Alien vs. Predator, uh, which was like a, a Capcom beat-em-up, like side-scrolling beat-em-up, which was really cool. Yeah, um, it, it's just that it, it, does ca- it captures the, the look and the feel of the movie better than anything I think I've played. And um, I mean, I'm hoping it will take the nasty taste out of the awful Aliens Colonial Marine, which was released uh, last year. Dude, that, that should never have even got on the shelves. It was absolutely dreadful the fact that it by february it had dropped to 2.99 uh, in sales was yeah you just think no that's that's not something i ever want to go near well dave that sounds awesome and i will definitely be checking out um alien isolation um and uh, yeah. i recommend the other milks to do too well this week um i have been i have been mostly playing uh, a a game um as i said by the creator of Resident Evil, um, and it's a return to the survival horror genre mm. from which uh, which came. The Evil Within is a psychological horror game um, with with controls very very similar to uh, Resident Evil 4. In fact, the whole game felt exactly like Resident Evil 4, but in a new setting, uh, in a much darker setting. Um, really, really cool game. Um, great. Uh, Great controls and a complete opposite end to what you were saying about Alien Isolation, Dave. This game is not about hiding. This game is about full-on um, getting in of your enemies. Um, you have to kill certain enemies to, to, to actually like progress. Um, one of the most interesting enemies in the game is just referred to as Boxhead. It's a giant man with a safe for a head, and the safe is wrapped in barbed wire. And to kill these guys is 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 a nightmare. But um, just a really, really cool game. I, um, I was completely shocked. Uh, I thought it was going to be more like the old, old Resident Evils, uh, like Resident One and Two. But yeah, it's more. It's a, it's an action survival horror. Um, it's it's got a very like how to describe it. It's um it's kind of like a an almost murky S and M E style um, horror game. You 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 you, you can hide in uh, lockers and stuff but generally um, it's better to kind of go face on it's it's about a guy um, who goes to investigate uh, like a massacre at a hospital um, and from there things start to unfold uh, some very strange things start to unfold and you find yourself in like a dark land um, with kind of like the zombie type characters but they're not zombies they're more like uh, um What's the word I'm looking for? Possessed uh, demons. So yeah, it's it, but yeah, it's a lot. It's very actiony. I wouldn't say it's amazingly scary, but it is a bit mind fucky at times. Right. Uh, for example, but the game messes with you. Like you could be walking down a hall, and if you turn around to kind of look what's behind you, the hall kind of resets itself, and you and uh, you get a lot of the kind of camera shaking effects as well when weird stuff's going on right I mean this isn't an especially it's it's such a hard game to describe because it, the storyline is so kind of messed up that it is one of these games where you have to play it to, to, to actually get what I'm talking about but um, not many weapons scarce ammo so that's the survival horror aspect mm. uh, you can level up um, In sometimes you find yourself waking up in like a this, this is really cool when you need to level up, uh, you can find mirrors peppered throughout the game. If you hold the X button to go into the mirror, you kind of wake up in a sepia-toned black-and-white hospital. And there's just one other person there who's called Nurse Tatiana. 
Um, and um, to let you, she kind of is in charge of this hospital, which I presume is just inside your mind. Hmm. Um, but yeah, it's it's a very psychological horror uh, action game, and it's uh, highly recommended uh, for horror fans, for fans of Resident Evil. And it's one of the better games out on the next-gen consoles at the moment, uh, which is definitely a plus. That does sound quite good. I might have to check that out, to be fair. I'm, I've, I haven't really played much of the Resident Evil stuff, but uh, I'm very aware that, yeah, they always get decent reviews, and it is a genre by itself. They, they used to, Dave. Resident Evil 6 was panned. Um, oh, was it really? <laughs> okay. And it was just an action game, um, and not a particularly good one. Ah, right, fair dues. We're still Resident Evil fans are still waiting for the remake of Resident Evil 2, which is um, arguably the best one in the series. Um, so that was our uh, Halloween reviews of those couple of games. Hope that you found that useful, Milksters. Uh, like I say, I would definitely, definitely recommend Alien. And it sounds like Mr. Booley is uh, recommending his game as well from the Evil Within. Um, next up, we're going to talk about a couple of bits. But I believe Boo, there is a game that has you so excited. You, you're just bursting to tell us about it. Yes, Dave. Uh, last week, as time of recording, the Wii U exclusive Bayonetta 2 was released. Um, if you played the first Bayonetta on Xbox 360 or the PS3, mm-hmm. you will know why um, this game has been so long awaited. People were up in arms when it was first announced that Bayonetta 2 would be exclusive to Nintendo's Wii U. However, um, it worked on me. It was one of the main reasons I bought a Wii U. Um, the game is out. I've played the game, and my first reaction was uh, after about an hour was, why can't all games be Bayonetta 2? Uh, it it just improves on everything from the first one. The charm is there in the cutscenes. Um, the voice acting is great, except for one character who I've just encountered, who um, can't seem to get the English accent right. It's obviously put on because he's got like a downward inflection when he says love. It's like all right, love. Like, I, I don't know, it doesn't really work, but if you played the game, you, you'll find out what I mean. Um, the controls are as slick as ever. The action is as crazy as ever. And um, I'm going on record now as saying that uh, all the games I've played so far this year, Bayonetta 2 is the best game I've played this year, by, by far and away. Um, I know that the Wii U isn't uh, doing massively well um, in terms of sales, but I'm... If, if if there was any justice in the world, uh, Bayonetta 2 would be the, the game that kind of pushed the Wii U back into into the main populace. But um, I, I just wanted to just give a shout out to Platinum Games and um, congratulations on making one of the best sequels I've ever played. So um, Dave, uh, if you can get hold of a Wii U, it's not just it's not all about Mario Kart. No, you, there are other games on the Wii U. Okay, but I, I, I did play the first one. I really enjoyed the first one, I must admit. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I'm not sure I'm going to invest in a whole new console just for one game. But um, you you have seemed very very excited about it. Yeah, um, no, it's it's fantastic, and uh, and uh, I'm I'm rigid with excitement about uh, about getting it finished, Dave. I believe you've been uh, been busy working for uh, somebody else. Am I am I, am I right? <laughs> yes. Not going to lend light. 
Okay. Uh, yes. So everyone knows on the podcast that uh, you guys, the Milksters, you, you all know I am a massive Kevin Smith fan. Um, we have mentioned him pretty much every single podcast for forever since we since we began. He's one of the reasons we're doing the podcast. Um, so uh, someone I know uh, who works for a website called Flickering Myth. It's uh, flickeringmyth.com. Uh, it's an entertainment uh, website that reviews pretty much everything, sort of films, TV, music. Uh, games, everything. Um, they had a uh, a need for someone with some experience on the old Kevin Smith, uh, the Viewisk universe, to review a brand new game that's coming out. So I had the chance to preview. And, and again, as we've spoken about before, I'm a huge point and click adventure fan. It's the nerdiest of genres, uh, and I am. Uh, I, I love the old LucasArts stuff, uh, as we've discussed. So I had the chance to preview uh, a game that's coming out called Randall's Monday. Now, on the surface, this is a Kevin Smith-inspired point-and-click adventure. It's very much like if you've... I don't know whether you've played, Boo, the game called Hector, which was on iOS. Hector? No, no, I haven't. Okay, uh, it was a, a very, very British uh, sort of flash animated point and click, which came out on iOS and uh, I think it was on Android as well. It was it was filthy. It was about this uh, police officer. Um, it was voiced in a kind of... Uh, do you remember Crapston Manors? Crapston Villa? Fuck. Do you remember Crapston Villa? Crapston Manor? <laughs> Fuck you. Do you remember Crapston Villa? Yes, mate. Uh, the Channel Four Claymation. It was like an adult. Oh, it was really good. Call, good callback. Um, I used to watch that every Friday on the Channel Four. Very it, funny. It was amazing. It was really good. It had that gay couple upstairs and all that kind of stuff. Um, uh, so yeah, it was that kind of style. It was dirty, gritty, Londony sort of stuff. Lots of swearing uh, and and like an utter piss take of an iOS game because uh, they knew the point and click stuff and that was it. So it's that kind of style and the way it looks. The characters in it look a little bit Family Guy as well. So um, I thought, oh, this seems really good. It's going to be a great example of Kevin Smith at his best. It's very clear within about five minutes of playing the game that Kevin Smith has had nothing to do with this other than giving them the character of Randall. Because there, there is no callback to anything else in the Skew universe other than lines that he drops in from Clerks. So, unfortunately, it's not... Because I think... Um, and uh, while I was playing it, all I could think of was the Clerks animated series, which I think we've talked about before um, on the podcast, is that would have made a great point and click. It would have been so good if they could have brought that universe to life because it used stuff from the movies, but it also you know expanded it by adding extra characters and that kind of stuff. Um, and... The pop culture references and stuff are all there. It's it also suffers from being geeky to the point of being, and I'm gonna we're gonna lose some listeners on this, so I don't know whether I'm gonna want to say it. Or you not. get a little bit of hate on Twitter for this one. Yes, sir. What they do is they overgeek the pudding, and it it goes down the Big Bang Theory route of this is cool because it's nerdy let's just shove as many pop culture references into it as possible to the point where you're just like you're not you're not a geek you're not a nerd are you you're just 
you, you just have a movie collection of stuff you remember from when you were a kid and you can recall some TV shows you used to watch and you've got some silly hipster glasses on um, he says sitting here wearing silly hipster glasses um, it's good in terms of the actual game itself plays really well the animation is really fluid the voice acting is brilliant the guy who you will know his name I'm sure who does the voice for Fry in Futurama Billy West yes Billy West Billy West uh, does the voice of the best friend of Randall uh, Jeff Anderson does the voice for Randall as in the everyone's favourite slacker um, Billy West is brilliant in it Jeff Randall brilliant, uh, Jeff Randall Jeff Anderson is brilliant in it um, it, it's it, in terms of like stylistically it looks brilliant it plays okay some of the puzzles are overly complicated you have to go backwards and forwards to uh, multiple locations yes that's old school yes we used to doing that in Monkey Island but if you're having to go and spend five minutes traveling because you have to go by a subway to different locations so you just end up traipsing around and then there's conversations you have where there's no way of clicking through the conversation just to end it but you have to go through every option to get them to go i'm sick and tired of talking to you here's the thing you're looking for and that to me is not fun that's it's annoying it's game breakingly annoying um my full preview is on flickerymyth.com but that's pretty much exactly what i said on there um it's it's fun it is not the it's not the kevin smith game we are looking for uh, unfortunately um if they if they gave him a chance to do an actual viewers universe point and click I'd be very interested in playing that i, I will get a chance to play the full game uh, because that's that's part of the deal is that I'm going to review the full game when it comes out. Uh, we'll see. I can't imagine they've made any improvements to it because uh, that doesn't tend to happen between preview and actual review. But we'll see. Um, uh, my mind is open. Talking of games, um, there has been uh, some information about point and clicks, as I just referred to. I'm a massive fan. So LucasArts. Yes, Dave. I, I remember your awesome um, piece on uh, LucasArts games and point and click way back in the heady early days of the Milk and It podcast. Yeah, that was about episode seven or eight, I think, if you want to go back and listen to it. Um, I, I'm a massive fan of LucasArts. I loved their point and click adventures. And I'm so happy that they have actually managed to sign a... Um, they have managed to sign a deal with uh, Good Old Games, the uh, GOG, as it's known, so GOG.com, um, to provide everyone with digital versions of their point-and-click adventures. But not only their point-and-click adventures, their Star Wars games from back in the day as well. So they're all getting digital re-releases, which is absolutely brilliant. These are things that have been going for some silly money on <laughs> on eBay if people can't get hold of the original discs. Um, the games so far that have been announced are The Secret of Monkey Island, the special edition, which is a cracking game. If you haven't played Monkey Island, are oh, I cannot recommend it enough. Having just uh, just played, literally just played the uh, 3D Escape from Monkey Island, um, which I managed to get. It, it, it's great. Oh, cannot recommend Monkey Island enough. Uh, Sam and Max hit the road again, which is just perfect. It's it's a wonderful point and click. It's up there. Uh, I'd say, mm, is it up there with Day of the Tentacle? Yeah, I, I, I would say I would say so. Sam and Max was um, hugely popular 
back yeah. in the day. I remember it even got its own animated series, so, you know. It did, yeah, it came from comic book, went to that, and then, yeah, did animated series. Was, yeah, I suppose it was in terms of that. But I, I, I'm just thinking games-wise, um, they're, they're probably on a par. But, yeah, Sam and Max Hit the Road was brilliant. Uh, soundtrack was great for that as well. Um, Indiana Jones and the Fate of Atlantis. Did you ever play that? Yeah, classic. Absolute classic. Really looking forward to playing that. Uh, Star Wars Tie Fighter they've released as well, which you can download. Which Ooh. Is um, yeah. Any word on whether X-wing versus Tie Fighter will be available? Uh, at the moment, it's just uh, Tie Fighter Star Wars X-wing is also available, but not the versus and Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic. So, so quote, uh, wherever the. The, uh, we Whatever used to the say, court, the say, yeah. Swakotor. There we go. Swakotor or Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic. <laughs> but very good that they have actually done that. And it, it does mean that there will be more stuff coming from the LucasArts library that will get re-released and, and people will be able to play. And uh, that, that all, all I can hope, all I can hope, is that they, uh, they do get some sort of HD uh, sort of remix as well, maybe, for some of the titles, because it would be great to play some of those uh, on either iOS or on PC or even on the, the current generation consoles. They, they were great games, and for me, Point and Click is one of the things that, unfortunately, has fallen by the wayside. You don't get many. I suppose Broken Sword is something that's continued. Um, and But other than that, they're few and far between, you know, Puzzle Agent and stuff like that, but... Uh, yeah, a great genre, and I, I'm really hoping that this continues. I'm really glad that LucasArts Games have managed to come to, to, to COG, and uh, we're going to get to play these games again. It's Halloween, and at Halloween we always like to dress up. Boo and I are currently dressed as the Joker and Harley Quinn. Thanks, Mr. J. <laughs> Here's Jay with his favourite Batman costumes. Salutations, Batfans! Sorry about the mangled Batman 3-parter. You seem to have got part 2 in your skull first, and then part 1. Well, we meant to do that. We're visionaries, see, like Tarantino, who didn't want to give you a straight narrative because you're smarter than that. It's either that, or we've all been at the slow gin. This is definitely part three, though, rest assured, because it says so here, printed on the back of this here trembling badger. So, let's close out our Batman triple bill with some moments from Batman's history that made him look less Dark Knight and more daft shite. Yes, much like the roll call of Wally villains from the 60s and 70s, Batman has got up to some questionable shenanigans in the time of free love and unkempt pubic hair. All of these, bizarrely, relate in some way to some unfortunate clothing choices. Batman has seen a fair few costume calamities throughout the years. On the screen, we could see a rather fulsome paunch on Adam West. Michael Keaton had to fully turn around rather than just move his head like the starchy-collared nobleman of Austin's novels, and Clooney had crafted rubber nubbins on his chest so he could prevent athlete's nipple from affecting him through his batsuit. The toy figurines have some daft designs too. Ski Slalom Batman, for instance, gave the Dark Knight, yes, skis, and a rocket pack with which to propel him down unsafely the many, many Gotham City mountains that we see in all the media. 
And, of course, Night Glider Batman was a costume that was a stealthy wingsuit affair, unfortunately ruined by day-glow orange trimming. Perfect for swooping in unnoticed. But it's in the comics that we see that Bruce Wayne should have let his mother pick out his cloak. Oh, sorry, Bruce. So, yeah, in the comics, he truly chose some calamitous clobber configurations that would make Gok Wan collapse to his knees and wail. Detective Comics 221 saw the Cape Crusader wear a different coloured costume every night of the crime-fighting week. Now, this was a distraction tactic to fool hoodlums from recognising that Robin and Dick Grayson were the same person. On the account of an arm injury suffered at the hands of these hoodlums by the youthful ward whilst in his civilian persona. Quite why a punch in the face would be less distracting and more cost-effective than a bright green or purple batsuit isn't clear, but it seems to work as the crooks do indeed pay more attention to the united colours of Batmaniton and are quickly brought to justice. How about the time when Batman and Robin had to dress as mummies, only with the capes on the outside of their mummy costumes? Yeah. Why? Well... Bruce and Dick found themselves witness to an alien vessel crashing. And rather than call in the government or the National Guard, they just walked right in and were surprised that they were blasted by an alien ray that made their skin go green. Of course they did. Now, as the pair had been seen out in their Dick and Bruce personas, this obviously created some issues for the crime-fighting duo. After all, people may put two and two together and realise that the pair may be the same fellows as Batman and Robin. Like green peas in a pod. Now, are you keeping up with this? So, good. So, after finding out that the green radiation melts any attempt at makeup, they decide to cover themselves in bandages to catch Gotham's criminal fraternity. Guys, listen, take the night off. You're not well. You've got irradiated skin that melts makeup. Mummies. It's a little bit contrived, I'll admit. But, rest assured, they lose the green hue at the end of the story for uh, um, reasons. No one mentions the alien vessel again. And finally, Zebra Batman. A candidate who narrowly missed out the cup for rubbish villains was Zebra Man. Zebra Man was a scientist who accidentally irradiated himself. A bit clumsy, these comic scientists, aren't they? And ended up discolouring himself into zebra stripes and having powers of diamagnetism, which he could use to repel and attract things that weren't metal. Now, obviously, this is the key to go and rob that beleaguered Gotham Bank again where he unfortunately encounters that it's not so easy when the Dark Knight and the uh, bird who's on Christmas cards are there. Batman, unfortunately, gets irradiated by Zebra Man in the ensuing fight and then finds himself similarly discoloured and unable to control the diamagnetic powers, endangering the people of Gotham in the process. After some time, Batman returns with a greater understanding of how to control his newfangled abilities, and uses them to attract a zebra man to the nearest jailhouse, where he locks him up and finds a way to remove the radiation from the both of them. Hmm, these powers seem quite useful in his never-ending fight against crime to me. I can only imagine that maybe Bruce's body dysmorphic and thinks he looks fat with stripes, or 
the zebra ate his ze- uh, subway at Portland Animal Park or something. Or he's such a cool guy and bats are cool and zebras are a little bit flamboyant and gay or something. I don't know. I don't know. Alright? Just ask him, okay? So, thanks for listening to this Bat Roundup, kids. You've all been just wonderful. So, that was the Milky It Podcast, episode 36, our second annual Halloween special. Wasn't it spooky, kids? Not particularly, but uh, yeah, there were bits in there, wasn't there? Uh, thank you, as always, to Jay for his drop-ins, the bits that he does for us. Thank you very much to John Sands for this spooky music that's going to play us out and has been throughout the podcast. Thank you to Dino, as always, for his wonderful artwork that you see every time you download us on iTunes or Stitcher or anywhere else by direct download or whatevs. A um, couple of shout outs that I need to mention uh, very very quickly. Uh, one to John, he is a milkster who is uh, always loyal and uh, he knows both of us and uh, yeah, big shout out to him also a shout out to JD, he's a milkster going through a tough time at the moment, we're going to go into it on the podcast because you know, it's not something we really need to talk about uh, bring everyone down but you know, we're thinking of you and uh, yeah, much respect and uh, hopefully things work out and you know, at the end of the day Thank you for, for, for supporting us, and uh, we do the very same to you, sir. Um, this was the Milking Podcast Halloween special, sir. Yes, trick or treat, smell my feet. Join us next week for some more sweet geek news right here on the Milking It Podcast. Happy Halloween. Bye. I've got the feeling that milking Got a hunch that you know.